0: Show me the news! And now, coming through your speakers and into your ears, it's the gaming podcast that you all know and love. It's. Show
1: me the news!
0: Hey, video game fans, and welcome to Show Me Your News. This is episode 61, and it shall go down in podcast history as the one where we had even more technical problems than usual. Some of you may remember in the past that we've had episodes that started a couple hours late because we were trying this technical thing here and there, but this kind of takes it to a whole new level. But we're going, and we're recording, and I'd like to introduce the guest for this week... He was on episode fifty-seven along with Scav, but he's back and great friend of the podcast. M three D, welcome.
1: Thank you, thank you, Peter. Glad to be here. You know, I was I was really stoked when you put up my little guest profile on the Show Me Your News website. Oh it yeah, was like bam! I'm like an official like friend of the show or whatever. But I'm a little bit jealous that you and uh, Samurai Panda have those little uh, cartoon character icon guys. mm Hmm. So if anyone out there in Show Me Your News fan land wants to do a little Riolu drawing for M3D's picture, I would not cry about that. So I'm just floating that out there, going to milk the audience a little bit here, see if anybody is up to the task, because you guys both have awesome little avatars, and I don't have one, so.
0: Show Me Your News artists, are you up for the challenge?
1: Yeah, M3D, I'm a big Lucario fan, so Riolu would make the perfect uh, avatar there.
0: There you go. Um, M3D, or also uh, Jason Rice, is, um, you know, video game designer we mentioned in one of the, the past episodes, and uh, also the director and planner of The Airship, which has uh, been postponed to winter because of, you know, busy MLG, and just a, an incredible uh, Smash uh, summer, so I'm going to push that back, and, you know, we have to look forward to more news about that in the future. But, Jason, it's great to have you again on the show. Thank you, you. Um, So let's go through what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to go through what we're playing, like we always do. Uh, Some of the headlines for this week. Bungie and Activision had a big merger, we'll talk about that. StarCraft 2 got a release date. A Black Wii was revealed. The new Call of Duty game was uh, announced. And IGN has a a starting list of video game villains. We'll talk about that. Uh, Also out recently is uh, Super Street Fighter 4 and WarioWare DIY, or do-it-yourself. Biggins for this week, um, iPhone got a little bit of a legal thing with uh, the blog known as Gizmodo, uh, they kind of leaked the new iPhone because someone left it at a bar, we'll talk about that, and since Jason and I both love the Pokemon franchise, uh, we're gonna get hyped about, in a couple days they're gonna announce a new Pokemon, aside from Zoroark and, uh, Zorua, yeah. And uh, that's going to be on Pokemon Sunny in a couple days. We're going to speculate about Generation 5. We're going to you know, think about all the little nuances that are coming to play. We're going to do some mail time and wrap it up. It's going to be a fun show. So, Jason, M3D, let's talk about what are you playing?
1: What am I playing right now? Well, I finished my playthrough of Pokemon Soul Silver. Um, I had a pretty awesome team. I started with the water starter, as always. Um, so I had my... My Toto Dial to kick it off with, um, mm. and then I, I was using my Jirachi from GameStop oh, and yeah. a couple other um, fun Pokies. Well, so I finished that and then I moved on to Heart Gold. So I'm about halfway through Heart Gold right now. Uh, I started with Bayleaf in that one, but I actually bred myself a Riolu from uh, if... from my old Diamond cart. So this is actually the Riolu, I kind of treated as my starter in this game, so I always put Riolu to follow me around, and eventually became Lucario, um, because that's my favorite Pokemon. So, But it's actually, I bred it from the actual egg that I hatched from Diamond, so it's like the offspring of the Lucario that is in my uh, Hall of Fame on my Diamond cart, so I'm kind of stoked about that. I'm like a little Pokemon... Uh, uh, what what do you call it? Like a dynasty going on there with my Lucario. So yeah, yeah, I've been playing that, and Did you get enjoy...
0: some, uh, some good IVs and all that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I bred that one with like a quote unquote perfect one that I got from some breeding project that people had been doing on some website, and so it has like a thirty one in attack and speed IVs. So it, it kind of nice. crushes. So I've been enjoying that a lot. And then now what...
0: sorry, real quick question what what nature is is good for. A Lucario, like that, is it oh, adamant. Like adamant?
1: Yeah, you want adamant because it's uh, it's got that extra power. I think some people run Jolly,
0: because um,
1: mm-hmm. Jolly gives you a little extra boost of speed. But um, I think adamant's probably the way to go because really, with Lucario, if you're in a co- competitive environment, um, you you might be using extreme speed anyways to uh, you know have a priority move. So you know, Jolly's right. not that important unless you're worried about a speed type. Hmm. So that's my Pokemon nerdiness And then um, I've been playing another game And pretty much hating it So I'm going to stop playing it Is uh, Monster Hunter for the Wii (laughs) (laughs) I know there are like so many Oh wait Someone in the Cyberlink is saying in the chat That Jolly boosts your speed And makes things incredibly awkward I'm, hmm. I'm not sure what that joke is about, Cyberlink, you'll have to explain it to me later. But um, So anyways, so Monster Hunter, nope. it's getting pretty good reviews out there. Um, <clears throat> and, um, and there's a lot of people, a lot of reviewers that love it and think it's the best thing since sliced bread, and I just can't get into it. And my biggest problem is that, you know, as kind of a, a multiplayer-focused guy, but also someone who's designed a lot of casual games for, like, the PC downloadable market, where, um, you know, you download the game and you have an hour trial, and if you don't sell the person on the game in that hour trial, um, th- then they move on to something else, because it's free. They don't have to pay for that hour trial. So, for me, like, I have to jump into the game, and if I'm not enjoying it in, like, the first five or ten minutes, you've lost me. So, right. with, with this game, like, you boot it up, and, like, there's, like, six or seven menu screens you have to get through before you even get started doing anything then once then once you create your character you have to watch like a 10 minute unskippable cutscene that provides you almost no real backstory it's just kind of like it sets the the tone and kind of the environment it shows you this little fishing town that you start off in but they're all kind of grunting to each other in undecipherable speech And nothing really happens except for like this earthquake. I guess this is spoiler alerts for all of you that are out there if you care about the opening cutscene, but it's unskippable. So you can't even like quit that and jump into it. So you spend literally the first 15 minutes that you've got this game doing nothing. And then you get into the game and you've got to talk to all these people before you can do anything. You've got to figure out the control scheme there's like a house you have to go save in and they've already got items for you and the menu structure is really dense and then there's all sorts of problems that i feel like once you get into action i feel like monster hunter for the wii is like it's like playing video games that are about doing chores i don't feel like i feel like there's more (laughs) chores to do and more menus to navigate than there is actual gameplay in the game and for some people that might be right up their alley they might feel like they have to earn their fun but i just can't stand that 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 type of setup, like I just can't enjoy it. So, um, Monster Hunter, two thumbs down from M3D. If you're into action games, if you're a Super Smash Brothers fan, and you're not into really boring menu navigation games, then you're probably not going to enjoy this.
0: Hmm. I mean, at least for No More Heroes, for a game on the Wii, and they had you do like quote unquote chores. I mean, at least they made those kind of fun. I mean, I hear that you know Monster Hunter try like its big strength is online, but if you don't really have a good game to go behind it, then, like, what's it really worth? You know, and I did do,
2: they've got these, um, these little
1: challenge things that you can do, and you can either play it online, or you can play it, like, local with a friend, and they do, like, a split screen, and you can go and you can fight just bosses. And Hmm. they give you gear, and then you can earn rewards that go back to, to your regular character for your, like, campaign mode. So, maybe there's, like, something really cool there, because, uh, I, I kind of get some of the action. Some of the controls are really wonky, like they've got this bow gun thing that um, you have to really get used to using, and I think probably if you played through the RPG mode, you'd really get the hang of it, but just picking it up and trying to play, like I was all over the map with it. So, um, maybe that, like, once should get to that level in the game, but I, again, I'm just not the type of person that is willing to invest, like, 20 or 30 hours into a game to make it fun. If I play games like I'm a grown man now, so I don't have like six hours a day to play video games anymore. I work, I'm a father, I'm a husband. I'm involved in all sorts of things. Um, and I'm a very busy guy. So when I sit down to play a game, I want to get bang for my buck. You know, I want to sit yeah. down and like, if I'm going to invest 20 minutes in this, it needs to be fun for 20 minutes. And if they can't deliver that to me, I'm just not interested. So um, that's why I'm really into like the handheld games right now, because that's, that that's the the core design philosophy of handheld games, is that you can pick it up, play it for a few minutes, and move on. So, I've just... And even pointed, Pokemon
0: as an RPG it totally works like that. Right, and
1: you know what? I'm not a big RPG fan, but I love Pokemon because I can pick it up, and I can just jam away right away. And there's, you know, if even if I just have five minutes and I want to play a little bit, I'm sitting on the bus or something, or I'm on a plane flying to go see a client, um, and I just want to screw around a little bit, I don't even have to play part of the story. I can just go run and kill something, or... Uh, get some berries or, you know, whatever. There's always something to engage me, and that's just not there in the Monster Hunter Wii. So maybe some people, it's the game for them, and it's, uh, you know, go go for it and play it and enjoy it. I'm not saying that you can not enjoy it if that's your style of game, but I'm just not into doing chores when I have time to have fun.
0: Right. Exactly. So I have been busy playing, you know, some Pokémon as well, and I've been playing a lot of different games, but there have been a couple that I wanted to touch on that, you know, kind of caught my interest. One of them is Red Steel 2. Came out a few weeks ago, and said like, "Oh yeah, I'll I'll get around to playing it." And I I finally did. I'm probably most of the way through it, but it's it's really hard to tell with the story because like you're a guy who's the last member of the Kusagari clan, and there are these other clans in like the Katakara clan. They're jackals, and there's a sheriff, and there's an old master, and there's a girl. Like the story, I think the story like they try to make it seem that you're assuming a lot, but they don't tell you a lot. It's very, it's a very bizarre story in that sense. So like, I don't even, it felt like I was almost at the end, but I'm not really at the end.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's like, when will this end? But at the same time, if we compare it to the first Red Steel, so much better. I mean, Th- That's like- good,
1: that's good, because I, I didn't pick it up yet, um, and... Uh, like, I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? The first Red Steel kind of sucked. I don't think I'm going to spend my money on it. But you're saying it's way better? Does that have to do with the improved controls? Like, is the, is the Wii Motion Plus that
2: big of a difference?
0: I don't think they use the Wii Motion Plus to its full extent, because there are still some moments they have you do, like, these little, these, uh, like, safe mini games where you, like, try to crack a safe for money. And even sometimes, like, the Motion Plus, like, doesn't feel all that. I mean when you're swiping like compared to like the lag between what you're doing and what's happening, like that's that's pretty reasonable, but it's not like your motions are perfectly mirrored on the screen like for example, like in something like Wii Sports Resort. I think it's still to the point where, you know, third party, you know, developers aren't maximizing the potential of some of the controls unlike you know like a Nintendo game. So I think maybe we can look forward to like Zelda Wii or something like that and see what first party Nintendo can actually do with Motion Plus. But at the same time, like the the art style is just so much better. It's more, you know, authentic for the Wii and it makes the game look so much better compared to the original Red Steel. And the game makes you feel like a badass. <laughs> which is always a great feeling when you're pulling off some of these combos and you're turning around and like stabbing this guy in the gut and you're you throw this guy up in the air with the sword, and you jump up, and you're slashing away at him, and you're sending him back to the ground. You I mean it's—it's
2: it's like living it, an action movie.
0: It's—it's it's pretty much yeah, an action movie, and they have like it's really linear with the the missions that you have to do. They have some side plots where you have to destroy a certain number of things, but it really doesn't matter because what I've found out is it's one of those games that gives you a ton of money. And there's not that much to do with it. Like, mm-hmm. there isn't a lot to spend it on. So, like, you can go around destroying boxes or, you know, like, the equivalent of Zelda, like, you know, slashing grass just to pick up rupees. But you're, you're sitting, like, there with $200,000. And it's been, like, a long time since you've encountered a shop. And sure, once you find a shop, like, you can almost blow it all. But it's you're there's just a, a lot.
2: It just sounds kind of like a balancing issue. But
1: you know what? I'm glad to hear that you're really enjoying it because... I know a lot of Ubisoft people. Um, I've run into them from time to time, being in the industry, and I always love my Ubisoft people. I think they're super awesome. So I'm glad that they really delivered on this. And I, I guess, you know, now that you're saying this, I'll, I'll probably end up picking up a Wii Motion Plus and picking up mm-hmm. Red Steel 2 and checking it
0: out. Yeah, I mean, there, there are still like, like a couple things to tweak, but compared to the first one, it's so much better. It's, it's definitely enjoyable. Um, the other game I'm playing is Wii Music. I oh, finally decided to give it a try. You're because, a big music
2: guy
1: too, right? So Yeah. Is, this, and is it good?
0: In a way, it is good, but not to like if you've actually if you actually know how to play music, it's only enjoyable to an extent.
2: Okay.
0: It feels like a thirty dollar game and I've been hearing that like now it's, you know, MSRP at about thirty dollars, which makes sense. Because there is only so much you can do with the game. Like after a certain point you've almost unlocked everything you can, and then you just can do a jam with friends and how much does that go? I mean they it's interesting to see how they use the Wii Remote to try to teach people music. And it's it's fun when you're you're playing the Super Mario Brothers theme, you're playing Legend of Zelda, some Animal Crossing, some Mute City. Like those those are pretty fun to, to play around with, but it's only fun to an extent. And it's definitely like you know a $30 kind of game, but definitely no more than that. I mean... So do you think I, I someone liked, think,
1: who is more musically inclined is going to enjoy it more, or do you think someone who is less musically inclined is going to enjoy it more?
0: I think someone who is less musically inclined but wants to learn about music is going to enjoy it more because if you actually like know how to play music they really dumb down a lot of things and a a part of the time you're just going like why am i doing this why am i playing this i mean but, but it is it is fun when you know you're you're improvising on your own and it sounds nice i mean nintendo did a good job with it but it's just it's all about like what the game is specifically targeting, what audience is targeting.
1: Gotcha. So mm-hmm. c- compared to say like a Guitar Hero, as far as like your level of being able to get into it as a music guy, is is Guitar Hero still heads and shoulders better for someone who loves music?
0: Heads and shoulders and abdom uh, abdominum. Oh my god! can't tonight and everything. Stilts
1: and clown shoes and <laughs> yes, rocket yes, shoes.
0: so much more. Even like when uh, they you know, have rumors that like Rock Band 3 is actually going to teach you how to play music. Right. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I mean, Guitar Hero is just like much more involved with like the accuracy of the music. And Nintendo's like, do whatever and something will happen. Gotcha. Yeah, that's what we're playing. And so it's time to get into headlines for the past couple of weeks in the video game world. Uh, Bungie, who is famous for making the Halo games and Activision so they've done oh, they're a huge company now they do Guitar Hero they do the Tony Hawk games they do a lot of oh Call of Duty well
2: that's,
1: and Activision 2 is Activision Blizzard now
0: uh, that's true because that
1: merger so it's it's a World of Warcraft is is really what's driving i mean World of they're Warcraft just swallowing
0: is swallowing everyone up
1: yeah so and the fact that Activision merged with the parent company that owned Blizzard But now the company is Activision Blizzard, tells Mm -hmm. you who was really wielding the power at that company with all the probably billions of dollars they've made producing World of Warcraft.
0: Right. So Activision has swallowed up Bungie for a 10-year deal, and Bungie is supposedly going to be producing a new IP for the company. This also goes in conjunction with the Halo Reach beta, which came out a couple days ago, and... All the Halo fanboys who have their ODST copies have jumped on and given the beta a go. Um, My main question for you, Jason, is that with this potential merger, do you see this as possibly an end to the Halo franchise if Bungie is... I mean, because let's face it, you know, Halo is... Microsoft, Microsoft pushes out Halo, but Bungie produces it. Do you possibly see this as maybe... An end to the Halo franchise with, you know, Activision now in charge of what Bungie's doing.
1: No, no, I don't think so. And just kind of as a point of clarification, you've got it. You keep saying the word merger. Bungie has signed a ten-year um, exclusive distribution deal ah. with Activision because Bungie is at this point they're an independent studio. And you know, if you've if you've kind of followed along, they said you know our goal was when we um, decided to become independent again was that. We wanted to branch off, become independent, and produce our own IP. We didn't want to work on anybody else's IP. We didn't want our studio to get boxed in because, hey, we're Bungie, and we're the best in the industry. I mean, there's only a handful of studios that you can look at and say, these guys deserve to be able to work on whatever they want. Give them a free pass. Um, let them make it however they want. Don't let the publisher get you know involved. Don't let anyone mess with what they're doing. Just let them do it. You know, you've know, you got guys like Epic. You can do that too. You've got right. the guys who make World of Warcraft, obviously, <laughs> at Blizzard. Um, you, you you probably could have said that about um, the guys that made Call of Duty before that whole studio fell apart and whatever. So, But there's only a handful of places that can do this, and Bungie is one of those places where you can just say, hey, do whatever you want. So what they were looking for, I think, was some freedom um, to hit multiple platforms because the issue with Bungie and Microsoft was that they were only going to be able to hit Xbox 360. Mm. So what I think is that Halo is going to continue to live. Whether Bungie's developing it or somebody else is developing it, Microsoft is going to keep milking that, that franchise for all it's worth right. as long as they can. So they'll do prequels and they'll do sequels and they'll do alternate universes and they'll do different genres. And, I mean, we'll, we'll probably see lots more of Halo over the years. Um, but I, I think that Bungie's goal here is that they want to do something new, um, something original, something that they own, and their deal with Activision because Bungie's such a powerful company they're able to work out a deal where they say okay well, look we're going to just we're going to let you publish our games which means that you know uh, either they'll make some type of financial investment in it or they're just going to be the ones that like spend the money to print the discs and send it out everywhere and the publisher is going to be responsible for distribution and marketing and that type of stuff and Bungie's job is going to be to make the the games bungie has probably got enough cash flow on hand that they can fund game that, a, a huge game themselves without Activision. So that's probably why they're locked into, like, this long 10-year deal, is because Activision says, all right, well, if we're going to partner with you and we're not going to have creative control, we want a long-term deal that, you know, we can uh, get a huge benefit out of this.
0: So... Look at that. That's, that's why I'm glad you're on the show to clarify all that up. Yeah. Um, Because I'm looking at... The Halo Reach Beta, I mean, my brother downloaded it because he's got ODST and all that. And, yes, there are some changes. Like, they have, you know, four different kinds of classes that you can, you know, each time you spawn, you can change. And there's, like, a little wheel at the bottom left that gives you, like, a power... I mean, the whole jetpack thing is one of the, the highly touted things of the the Reach Beta. And I guess it's, like using part of a power that can recharge over time but if you use all of that wheel of power it doesn't come back huh. or something like that. it's it's something to like i guess mix up the gameplay a little bit but at the same time unless you're being extremely picky the game looks the same as Halo 3 and Halo ODS Halo 3 ODST I'm sorry I mean you're it's all been on the same console and there hasn't been really any major upgrades except for oh, well, this game has Master Chief, and this doesn't. And it makes you think, like, how much longer can, you know, Halo last before some of the spinoffs just get completely ridiculous? I mean, I don't think well, Halo Wars, the RTS one, actually sold that well. But, you know, I guess people still buy it if it's the name.
1: Yeah, and you know what? Those huge brands, they, they drive the game industry. And so you can't... You can look at it, you know, kind of right now and say, oh, yeah, well, where do they go from here? Well, they keep producing better looking and you know keep adding little variations on the same theme and they keep going i mean it's what mario's been doing for you know 20 years now it's what the legend of zelda's been doing for 20 years i mean there's there's so much behind those franchises they've done so much and they keep sticking to the same formula but updating it tweaking it playing with it whatever and so we'll probably see that with halo like we've seen with these other you know big driving game franchises
0: See, I mean, that's what I thought it, they could have done with you know the Project Natal and all that. Like, they could have had potential. That would be a way to reinvent the series if Halo is the one that drives the whole first person shooter. You know, if that's even possible but, with you know how. Do you how really want to be like diving behind
1: your couch for cover and like picking up fake grenades and pulling
2: the pin out with your teeth and throwing it at the TV? I mean, do you really Hey, I mean be that's that's that...
0: what Nintendo did for the uh, their you know opening demo for. You know, uh, Metroid Prime 3 Corruption, they had the guy, you know, rolling around on the ground with the...
1: See, and everybody mocked that, and that's not how anyone plays a video game. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe we'll go there eventually with some virtual reality stuff, but you better have, like, a room with some padded walls or something for you to be in, because if you're diving all over the place, people are going to get get hurt. So, um, it's just, you know, I think really there, there's there's some cool new things happening in gaming. I think Natal is cool. I think the Wii, you know, the Wii Motion stuff is cool and all that. But I think there's still going to be a core game market where you use a controller and you sit there and you entertain yourself rather than, like, get an exercise while
2: you're playing a video game.
0: hmm Makes sense. Now, on the similar topic of, um, you know, Blizzard and Activision, Starcraft uh, Starcraft II finally got a release date. July twenty seventh two thousand and ten for StarCraft two Wings of Liberty. I mean, I haven't been much of a StarCraft player, but this is this is a big title for this year, and so it's, it's it's finally good to see get a release date. I know Blizzard's really stingy with uh, release dates; they won't really give you anything unless it's solid. And with the StarCraft two beta out, it's it's a pretty good sign that they're getting close to actually having a final product.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and you know. It- StarCraft is such a huge game and you know you look at what these guys talk about and they say, look, well, we want to make a game as a game that's impossible to master. We want like balance, we want depth, we want whatever. And so that type of thing takes time and um, that's why these public betas are so awesome because you have the opportunity to collect so much data. Not only do you get feedback from the players, but on the back end, they're crunching numbers constantly. I mean, since they launched the beta, there's probably never been a period of time that the game has not been live on somebody's computer and being played. I mean, probably, you know, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week since this beta launch. So they've constantly been crunching numbers based on that information. So they're able to look at system performance, they're able to look at the balance of the units and what's killing what and who's doing what, and they're looking at all those things. And so they're going to be able to do some really cool things, and I think that, you know, July 27th is going to be a big day for gamers and actually, funny thing, um, I'm friends with uh, Ken Hong, a.k.a. Oh, yeah? Sephiroth Ken. Um, we've you know, we known each other for years now because of pro gaming and whatever else, and we're friends on Facebook. So the other day, he, uh, or I think just this morning, I saw he had posted, he said something like, I hate Terrence on his uh, thing. Or Terrence pissed me off, or something like that. So Ken is like, he and his family are very into StarCraft. The, uh, his little brother, um, Vanacloud, Actually, his older oh, yeah. brother, Manacloud, everyone always assumes he's the, the little brother, but Ken's actually the younger brother, so his older brother, Manacloud, has been sending me messages and saying, okay, are you going to play this with us? And I'm like, dude, I'm so bad at RTS games, but you know, maybe I'll give it a try. I'm at least going to pick it up, because it's StarCraft 2, and I can get it for the Mac. So, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a happy camper. I'm going to sit down, I'm going to load it up on my MacBook Pro with my 4 gigs of RAM, and I'm going to rock
0: it. Nice. I know the Buzzsaw is also a big player. He's apparently like the top that you can get or something. He's a, a big you know, StarCraft player. But then again, he also did a, a couple years in uh, in Korea, mm-hmm. so, and that's massive over there.
2: Yeah, pretty obvious that you're going to get
1: into it at least a little bit. Actually, did you hear all the news a couple of weeks ago about the big cheating scandal over there?
0: Oh, no, I didn't.
1: Oh, dude, it's like it's like national news over there. Have, they have not one, but two television channels dedicated to pro gaming over there, mostly StarCraft-oriented stuff. Right. And, like, this huge scandal rocked their pro gaming world over there that there's all sorts of mat- match-fixing going on. The guys were throwing matches, and, um, you know, for one reason or another, whether it was gambling or whether it was to help a friend or whatever, but there's a ton of match-fixing going on over there, and it's this huge controversy, so... Uh, probably a pretty interesting read if you're into the world of pro gaming to go check that out.
2: Hmm.
0: I definitely shall. So yeah, StarCraft 2, July 27th of this year. Another uh, release date is a little more closer to home. Uh, May 9th is the date that the black Wii will be out in America. It'll cost $200 like the normal Wii, but it'll have Wii Sports, Wii Sports Resort, and a Wii Motion Plus. Now, it's, it's about time that the Wii's gotten a new color, but, you know... Uh, the, you know, recently Nintendo's had some numbers that their console numbers are down 21%. Um, Is this too little or, you know, too little too late for, you know, the Wii to be getting a new color or anything like that? I mean, I, I'm of the opinion that, you know, everyone who's, who's considering buying a Wii has already purchased a Wii. And unless it's broken on them in some fashion, you're not going to go... Buy another Wii unless you're gonna get one for a family member or something like that. Uh, What do you think?
1: Um, I wish they had come out with some new colors earlier on. But the thing is, is that if you've got a hit, you keep grinding away at that hit. You know, like the white Wii, there was never like a dip in sales where they needed to come out with a new color, right? So Mm -hmm. when you do a new color. Um, you have to change manufacturing processes so there's some cost associated with it and so when the Wii spends its first two years like literally sold out constantly and then still maintains strong sales like you have no reason to invest additional money to change your manufacturing process just to send out a new color, it's still selling like gangbusters so maybe this black Wii reveal is a sign that they're trying to um, shift people towards the new hardware because They've got the Wii Motion Plus, and they want more and more people to have that. And so you got to think, like, yes, the market's probably pretty close to saturated, but as prices come down, more people are going to be picking up the system. There's going to be, like, a certain barrier to entry as far as, like, the cost goes, and uh, lower-income people and people who, you know, wanted an Xbox 360 or a PS3 before... Uh, picked that up, and now they're finally getting around to picking up a Wii. Actually, I'm finally getting around to picking up a PS3, because that was the one system I didn't have, and I'm finally going to pick it up and play um, some Super Street Fighter 4 and some other stuff. So you're going to have those people that are going to kind of circle back around now and say, oh, hey, yeah, look, it's $200, it's cheaper than it was before, it's got the new um, hardware included, so uh, let me pick this up. So that's probably the the motivation right now, is to try and... um, hit whatever part of the market you haven't saturated yet and grab it.
0: Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Uh, another headline is the new Call of Duty game has been announced. It was rumored that it would be a Vietnam kind of game, but now it's called Black Ops. I mean, there's really not a lot to say about it, except that it's supposed to be released on November 9th, 2010. Um, you know, we don't really have a lot of details, but figured it was also worth a mention. Um, IGN has started to put together a list of the top 100 video game villains, and while they're only through, uh, you know, 100 through 70 at the time of this podcast, what, I wanted to know what your thoughts on what, you know, some of the possible top video game villains of all time were.
2: Oh, let's
0: see.
1: Um, you obviously have to include Bowser. Mm-hmm. um and Ganon because they're, you know, they're classic. They've been around right. for over 20 years now and everybody knows them and whatever. Um, they got to be in the top 10 somewhere. Yeah, if if the Pokémon series wasn't so goofy, I would say Giovanni because he Probably. was such a huge part like with the Team Rocket thing and appears across multiple games. Um,
0: maybe you do just Team Rocket as a whole.
1: Yeah, maybe Team Rocket as a whole. My, the problem is that, like, they never really get to be as evil and wicked as you want, like, your super video game villains to be. Like, I can see maybe those guys getting into top 30. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously Dr. Wily. Yeah? Yeah, I, Dr. Wily better be top 10. I mean, the dude's been showing up for, again, 20 years yeah. and has all the best... Um, all the best baddies now what based on what we we're talking about before though with with um, Halo I wonder because Halo has never really had that one singular baddie that was right. like V bad like you've got Gravemind but he kind of wasn't developed that much as a character like he kind of existed but you didn't see him until the second game and um, so you know you've got Gravemind and then you've got the prophets who were in there and then um, what was the big um, the big brute guy's name
0: Oh, the Tancelous arbiter. Or something like that. And arbiter wasn't a villain.
1: No, Tartarus. Tartarus. That's uh-huh. that was his name. Um, so he was like the big bad in Halo Two. So one of those villains might might creep up there, but I don't think they'll make the. I don't think they'll make the top ten.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a just a huge list to even consider. I mean, I think maybe Doctor Eggman or Robotnik is. Another possible one, because he's consistently in every game. That's part of the challenge, too. I mean, you have to think of which villains, like... It really helps our case if they're a recurring character in every game. And if they're just, like, in one or two games, like... You know, Big Boss from Metal Gear is only, like, a villain in a couple games. I mean, even... even Well, and then, you know, you'll you'll have
1: all the sissy... um... All the sissy Final Fantasy fans are gonna want to see Sephiroth in there.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Um, I even like I'm trying to look through this list, and you know they don't have like of a big list. They have to like do an arrow for each one. At um close to the, the top of it, night at 98, they have Gary Oak as the 98th best video game villain of all time
1: see and I don't really I never really viewed him as a villain like he was he was your rival but I don't don't really see that as a villain really
0: yeah so it's it's a it's a you know risky list I'd say that Bowser would definitely have to be top five maybe it'd be a good contender for number one you know
1: who I want to see in the top ten what's that Uh, M. Bison aka the dictator yeah Yeah. dude killed Chun-Li's father Mm-hmm. And he rules the shadow Lou with an iron fist.
0: I'm trying to think of like the one quote from the the Street Fighter movie that's become almost an internet meme. Yeah, M Bison or uh, Vega dictator. That that'd be a good one. We'll have to see uh, when you know they haven't really said when the list will be completed, but you know keep an eye on that one. Speaking of Street Fighter, uh, Super Street Fighter 4 came out recently in the past couple weeks. I actually got my hands on a copy, and it's it's different, because you know, they have the, the ten extra characters, and you don't have to go through the unlocking process. All of them are ready from the get-go. And I wasn't, like, that hardcore enough into the first Street Fighter to, like, know all the differences. I know that, you know, Capcom took a lot of recommendations for the community, and patched the game, and you know the game's getting solid reviews on that front, but um, I honestly just have not played it as much as I can have been doing Red Steel Two, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, that's looking like a really solid game. Um, you know, really great for the the Street Fighter community to to build off uh, their their competitive scene.
1: Yeah, I already saw some uh, some kind of infinite. With uh, Fei Long, it's creeped up on the internet, so I'm sure the game's going to get dissected pretty fast, and people are going to know, you know, frame data and all that. So, people should probably check out Shoryuken yep. if they want to get serious about it, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you really, really have to, you could go check out the GameFAQs forums because they tend to find glitches and stuff pretty fast too.
0: Yeah. Uh, they'll do the frame data like they do with every fighting game. Uh, of course, in uh, June they've got the. The tournament uh, mode, which will be a free downloadable content sort of thing. And it'll be interesting to see how they actually handle, you know, four, four or eight player tournament matches with, you know, spectating the matches, which is something that, you know, Smash Brothers Brawl could have done mm-hmm. if they had a better online setup. So it'll be interesting to see that be implemented. Uh, the other game that came out recently is WarioWare DIY, which is the game I I want to say that Sakurai is uh, was helping to work on you know, get huh. that brawl tie in there. Are you can... tripping, man. Yeah. Um, you know, click the, the person's feet to make them trip. Um, you basically make your own uh, WarioWare games, and um, you don't really take advantage of any of the other DS's, uh, you know, capabilities, except it's only touching. Mm-hmm. So, none of, like, no, no scrubbing or anything like that. It's just touching where you can make... And I, guess, I guess it speaks to, like, the wannabe game developer each of us and it 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 takes like a lot of effort to make something and if you can actually make something legit in there well props to you
1: it kind of taps into that whole like mario paint thing yeah where it's like can you create something cool here
0: Mm -hmm. so i know kotaku had like a contest where you could like make you know a, a diy game that you know sort of referenced them and this one guy did a a sort of thing where you had like uh, an RPG sort of style where a couple enemies appeared, like a knight and a a ghost sort of thing. And then you had to like pick an attack or like a magic spell and a certain type of attack or a certain type of magic spell to beat them.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: They get like, as the time would, you know, tick down, like the game would tell you what it's weak to, but you just have to like, you know, be really fast on the, the touch. It's very interesting what you can do, especially when you can like create your own art in the game set the whole timing and the whole points it's i mean if you're going to spend that much time on a handheld game it's it's like that whole thing you were talking about before you just like would sit down and be able to you know to play it but that seems like it would take way 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 more time than most of us actually have on hand
1: yeah but you know people invest i mean how long does it take to get all the way through the content in like pokemon like Hard Gold, I think I probably got 80 hours in. Or um, Soul Silver, I probably got 80 hours in. So, you know, yeah. if you can put 80 hours in Pokemon, you can, you know, probably create some pretty incredible things in WarioWare.
0: I guess it's all a matter of, like, how you spend your time. It's true. Mm-hmm. But, uh-huh. no, know, like, the game's getting decent reviews. I mean, so if that sounds like your thing and you're more into the WarioWare games, definitely check that one out for the Nintendo DS. So let's get into the, the biggins for this week, the big topics. So biggins. Yeah.
1: That kind of reminds me of Kevin from uh from the office sounds like some the biggins.
0: Kind of kind of yeah. Um so the blog known as Gizmodo came across what they claimed to be Apple's next iPhone. They said they found it in a bar and apparently one of Apple's employees left it there. So, instead of, you know, returning it, which would have been, you know, the, the safe thing to do, they decided to take pictures of it, you know, di- dissect all the specs, put it up online, and now they're in some legal trouble. Uh, I want to know what, what your take on the whole, the whole story was.
1: You know, I think this is the sort of thing that the law is going to have to eventually catch up with technology on, because... You know the internet and blogging and Twitter and all this other stuff. It's totally redefined what is actually published media, what's professional, what's amateur, mm-hmm. um, and what's acceptable as far as that sort of thing goes. And, you know, if I've been trying to follow this story, and from what I understand, the guy who originally found it, he contacted Apple and tried to return it, and he got the runaround on it, and no one would confirm that it was their property and yada yada, which is probably a result of Apple's insane. Um, you know restrictions that they put on everyone to try and control leaks and whatever which you know for them revealing a product is a you know it's a marketing tool so it's important but the the kind of insane measures they've taken to maintain security there is is pretty crazy but so the guy was trying to return it and people were kind of dragging their feet well Gizmodo got you know got a sniff of this and they said hey you know we'll we'll pay you to take it off your hands so they take it they you know Take all the photos, like you were saying, and then eventually they returned. They got it returned to Apple. So now the question is: Well, since Gizmodo returned it to Apple, um, did they break the law since they you know went ahead and returned it? But because they stopped and they took pictures of it, does that break the law? Because this guy accepted money to let Gizmodo be the one to return it, did he break the law? Was this stolen property? Well, really, what it was was he, it was you know it was lost and found. It was he found it in the street the thing was disabled. Like, he he turned it on to try and figure out whose it was, and they had used, like, a mobile me service to disable the phone. So it wasn't like you could just go in there, call someone and say, hey, come meet me and pick up your phone. So it it kind of puts all this into murky waters. And what's kind of crazy is that the guy who works for Gizmodo, who picked it up for them, his house got raided. The police came in, took all his computers, yada, yada. And um, even though that's totally against the law, because he is a um, journalist. So the, and because he's a freelancer, his house is his de facto place of business, which uh, that's the same for me. I'm a freelancer, my house, I've got an office and this is a de facto place of business. So as a journalist, they can't come in and take his stuff. And so the police broke the law by doing that. And so there's this whole like, I don't know, I, I feel like that there's, we're in murky legal waters and Apple is getting a lot of things done because they've got a lot of money. And that's just kind of the way it goes. You know, it's like these big companies that sue little companies. And it's not because that they're right, but because they know that they can tie you up in court long enough that you'll run out of money and you can't fight them anymore. So that's kind of how I feel like things are going right now. Like, it doesn't matter whether Apple's right or wrong or Gizmodo's right or wrong or whatever is Apple's going to at least make this painful for everyone so that the next time something like this happens, no one thinks about doing that.
0: Right. I mean, I think the main like legal thing about it is that supposedly, uh, you know, reading the Kotaku article here it says, later revealed by Gawker Media, the parent company of both Gizmodo and Kotaku, that $5,000 was paid for the iPhone. If property, so it's basically you can't sell stolen goods. So I guess they're claiming this as a stolen good, even though it was kind of abandoned supposedly, and if the property was worth over $950. The case would be classified as a misdemeanor, but since $5,000 paid, it'd be a felony. Yeah. I mean, it is it is very murky, like you said, and there's just not a lot of, I guess, proven facts. It's a lot of, you know, hearsay and he, he said, she said.
1: Well, it's absurd to charge the guy with a felony when he tried to return it, and he can't tell what it is. I mean, the thing was in a case that made it... At- look as though it was an older iPhone, and so, I mean, he can't tell what's going on. The thing was disabled, and Apple was giving him the runaround, so I think all of this is really Apple's fault, or at least the fault of the engineer that took it out and left it on the bar top because he was drunk, you know, like...
0: Why would you even take that out in public, honestly?
1: Well, you know, when they want to um, test these products before they go live, you Uh. know, it's just like like doing a public beta, right? You want to test... Does it work on a cell tower if I'm underground? Does it work on a, if I'm in a rural area? Does it work if I'm in a bar? How does it sound? How does the data work if I'm in a crowded place? You know, um, There's different data loads depending on where you are. So they're going to send some of these out into the wild. And I, it happens all the time. Prototypes get out into the wild all the time. It's just pretty rare that they get lost.
0: I mean, it's the difference between that and the public bait. I mean, if it's public, people know of its existence. And, you know, Apple's trying to keep it under wraps. They still have their press conference sometime in June where they're going to be announcing it officially, like, surprise, this is what we had planned to announce. I mean, the uh, the device supposedly what's new is there's a front-facing video chat camera. There's an improved back camera. Camera flash, micro SIM, better display. Suppose I've been reading that it's going to support 720p, which isn't bad. Nice. Uh, a secondary mic for noise cancellation, split buttons for the volume, and the power, mute, and volume buttons are all metallic. And other little things like you know some aesthetic changes. Um, it's it's a new iPhone, and just like the iPad, you know, Apple's going to try to tell them that it's you know the greatest thing ever that you need to spend all this money on it and It's a question of, is it all worth it in the end?
1: Yeah, that's kind of the beauty of what's made Apple so huge, is they convince you to give them several hundred dollars once a year for incrementally better pieces of hardware.
0: Have you gotten your iPad yet?
1: No, no, I'm holding off. I've got some projects that are going to come up I'm going to need it for for the business, so I'm just going to buy it through my business rather than buy a personal one. Um, And then I can write it off for tax purposes and whatnot, so... I'll wait until the contracts come up and, uh, then I'll go pick one up. And plus I, I seriously, you know, there are certain things that I'm willing to wait in line for and whatnot, but that's just, you know, first generation hardware is usually buggy and there's problems and whatever else. So I'm just going to take my time on this one.
0: Mm Hmm, That makes sense. Um, so that's the, the whole thing with the iPhone that's going around right now. It's, it's a mess, just like the uh, the other big legal thing going on is the uh, the uh, Infinity Ward and Activision. I think there's been like a half a billion dollar uh, lawsuit that's been that's pending right now, and you have people from Infinity Ward just leaving. That it looks like that you know company's about to just break apart.
1: Well, Infinity Ward has, is is going to be fundamentally shut down. I mean, they might keep the facility, they might bring in new people, but it, you know it's essentially infinity award is dead and this new respawn entertainment a lot of those guys that are leaving infinity award are going over there because you know when a publisher screws with a studio and you know i'm not saying that the the guys at the studio were completely blameless but when you mess with a studio that makes billions of dollars for you you have to you know you have to play ball you have to pay people what they should get paid and You have to expect that if you don't treat them right, they're going to go someplace else, even to a competitor, even to your main competitor, and make them billions of dollars.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So, and, you know, I've worked on both sides of the fence as a publisher, producer, and, you know, as a producer and designer for a studio, and so I've seen how it works, and when you're the publisher, you always think that the developers are idiots, and when you're the developer, you think the publisher's an idiot, so, I mean, it's always, there's always some conflict. Hmm. So, I'm not saying anyone's blameless, but being a game developer myself, I tend to side with the uh guys that started the studio and made billions of dollars for Activision.
0: Right, right. So, let's get into the Pokémon talks. Yes, I know Pokémon. I know you're looking so you're so much forward to it. Um so we mentioned briefly at the beginning of the show that on May 9th, for the Pokemon Sunday Show that is ever so popular in Japan, they're going to announce a new Pokemon from Generation Five, and not Zoroar or Zoroark. All right, just off starter. the top of your head, off the top of your head, what type do you think it'll be, just for posterity's sake?
1: Um, I'm gonna go with they're gonna reveal the Fire Starter.
0: Really? You think they're gonna go with Starter?
1: Yeah, I think they're gonna start revealing
0: starters. Interesting. Um, I'm, I'm gonna just go a normal type, and I know it sounds boring, but what they usually seem to do for past generations is that they give like a couple Pokemon that really don't have any correlation to like starters or even legendaries. I mean, if we look back to Generation Two, what you had Ampharos, you had Snubbull, Meryl were like the even like Hoot Hoot, and then I guess they did throw Ho a little bit in there, but they, those were some of like the the, early the promotional, oh. yeah, and then uh, Generation Three. You did have Blaziken. They did have Blaziken in the anime. You had Keckleon, um, and Manaphy. I think was also another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I mean, I think they're just going to go in with like a normal that's not all that important.
1: That's that's definitely a possibility. I'm just you know I'm hoping we get something cool.
0: Yeah, I mean because. Those those two uh, Zoro and Zoroark are they were pretty awesome. Not gonna lie.
1: I was kind of hoping that they would be dark fighting and not just pure dark.
0: That'd so be an interesting blend.
1: I'm I'm a little disappointed that it's not dark fighting, but um, you know maybe there's gonna be some other cool mixes out there. So we'll see what happens.
0: Even dark fighting, it's almost always like you know for each new generation. Ever since you know the, the dark types been introduced. People seem to like want to hold out for the hope that you know you'll have starters that are dark, psychic, and fighting. Mm-hmm. And do you see that happening with no. Generation Five at all?
2: No.
1: Then yeah. I think Nintendo sticks to the, the tried and true formula: water, fire, grass. Sure. And um, but you know maybe they maybe they do some some other cool stuff. But I, I think you know after. You know, millions and millions of copies. Of that. I mean, every generation sells something like twenty-five or thirty million copies. So, if you look at it that way, like, why do you mess with the formula like that?
0: Right. So I, I, w- I would agree with you. I think it it makes sense from even a beginner standpoint because I think the idea that you know water beats fire, fire beats grass, grass beats water is is definitely more of a a basic kind of idea than you know psychic beats fighting, fighting beats dark, dark beats psychic.
1: Right. So that's, it's definitely easier to understand, and you, you gotta remember that even though, like, our generation's kind of grown up with Pokemon in our in our pockets, um, if you go to like, a Toys R Us or a GameStop for one of these Pokemon download events,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you're still seeing 9, 10, 12-year-old kids that are out there getting their games, and and playing this, so every new generation of Pokemon that comes out, they're hitting a new generation of kids that want to play it. Right. So you know, trying to introduce them outright with with the dark, psychic, whatever, um, that's more confusing to that younger generation than the simple fire, water, grass.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So. Well. So, but, you know, I'm hoping we get something really cool, but you're right. It might, it might just be, like, this generation's Pachirisu or something like that.
0: Right. I mean, I would like to, you know, see the, uh, the return of, like, in Generation 4 where all the starters, when you hit their top evolution, that they have a secondary type. That would be cool. So you could get some, definitely some interesting blends in there. Um,
1: Yeah, because the monotype ones kind of stunk. Yeah, like the generate. Let's let's be honest here. Generation two, hard gold, soul silver, the worst starters overall.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would agree.
1: That's that. You know, it's unfortunate, but that's just the reality of it. Um, probably, probably best as far as competitive play goes is the most the the most recent one. And you know, it's hard agree. to judge them against all, all others, but um. You've got Empoleon and Infernate that are both like solid, like what they call OU overused contenders, um, and then Torterra is a, an underuse. It's the next tier down. So um, when you look at some of the other ones, not so hot.
0: Right, right. Um, so like trying to think of like some of the the interesting blends you could do. Because yeah, I mean in Generation Three you had Blaziken as a fire fighting, which was interesting because that's what Infernape ended up being. Um, you had Swampert, which was a water ground, and Sceptile was just grass, but um, let's see, what would go with a grass type for a possible uh, final evolution for Generation 5? Oh, you just want me see? to kind of speculate off the top yeah, of my head? Yeah, yeah. A um, steel would be interesting, a, a grass steel.
1: Grass steel might be cool. Um I would lean towards maybe uh, I don't know. That grass is a tough one to mix, you know? What yeah. they've done grass ground and they've done grass poison. And then they've done pure grass
0: twice. A grass right, right. Yeah.
1: So and they just did grass flying with Shaman. Mm-hmm. So, maybe, um, maybe grass rock. be something that's like, Ooh. I mean, again, that goes back to kind of the Torterra, where they're trying to go with something, like, kind of bulky, but the same thing with what you said, the grass steel. Like, that, that seems to me like it'd be something bulky and tough um, that wouldn't get cut through real easily. The problem with grass steel, though, is uh, fire would ruin you.
0: Oh, that's fire true. Fire is
1: a very common fighting yeah. type.
0: Yeah, they probably won't do that then. That's, that's a good point. Here's an interesting question: Will they finally have a pure flying Pokemon? No in this generation. They
1: will not have a pure flying Pokemon because of Roost. Because if you learn Roost, then on the turn you you learn you use Roost, you learn you lose your flying typing. So if you Ooh. don't have flying normal, then you become a untyped Pokemon when you use Roost.
0: I didn't know it had that ability.
1: Yeah. Because what happens is when you use Roost, it's like you're landing, because you have right. to land to Roost, so you're healing up, but you're also making yourself vulnerable to ground attacks. You lose your immunity to, to ground-based attacks. So that's why some people, if they think they're going to catch uh, someone like Zapdos switching out, or they, they, they think they're going to catch them Roosting while you're switching out, instead they're going to Earthquake and try and catch you on a turn that you Roost to Earthquake and kill you. Um,
0: that's, that's interesting, because I mean, there's... If you think about it, like, there's never been just a pure flying type, even in the earlier games where they didn't have Roost as a move.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay, so so Peter, let me ask you. Okay. Um, fire. What are what are they gonna pair fire with this time? Are we gonna see fire fighting again or what are what are we gonna see?
0: I would hope that they don't do a fire fighting again because like as it is a cool combo because mm-hmm. let's face it, Blaze a Cannon and Infernape are pretty badass. Um I would say I um, looking at all the types here and it's, it's a really tough there's like pretty limited pairing there um let's say fire dark
1: fire, you know what I was gonna say fire dark is a pretty good um, a pretty good idea because they're doing kind of the black and white thing like you might see some of these other like psychic or whatever like maybe we'll see grass dragon fire dark mm-hmm. Uh, water psychic maybe we'll see something like that since this is like the black and white game. Um, mm-hmm. There'll be kind of some darker stuff, some cool stuff.
0: Mm-hmm, Okay. Uh, And as for as for water, let's see, water, water and ice is too basic. That'd mm-hmm. Work that well.
1: That's right up my alley, though. I'd love a. a
0: water I, ice. I know you would. <laughs> <laughs> water and dragon would be pretty ballsy. Or even a water and ghost. Hmm.
1: Water Dragon would would uh, reduce the dragon's weakness to ice, make them pretty pretty tough. You'd That's have true. to talk about a a, um, a pretty defensive typing right there. That thing would, would with with would withstand quite a bit.
0: Mm-hmm. Seeing them typing for for like a maybe bold prediction, do you think Generation Five will they add another type to, um, uh the, the 17 that they already have. The fanboy
1: in me wants to say yes that they're going to add a light type or a star <laughs> type. Yeah. One of, one of those two. Um, but the the designer in me says probably not. They don't need to.
0: Do you think the it's, balance is already pretty good with the, what they have there's, already?
1: There's pretty. Su- I mean, there's some things that could probably change. I mean, if you look at the types and what gets used, bug generally kind of sucks. Um yep. Some people will carry bug moves because they're good for. Um, they're good for taking out psychics Mm -hmm. um, or darks but um, otherwise you know bug type Pokemon don't get a lot of love especially in an environment where you've got stuff like stealth rock where you switch in and you just get obliterated right yeah Um, so bug kind of sucks and so if they could adjust kind of the typing a little bit there so bug was a little bit better that'd be nice (laughs) Um, grass generally doesn't do that hot in like standard competitive play um, so grass could maybe get a boost out of something and then poison is, I mean, poison is virtually useless. I mean, the good thing for poison is that you can lay down toxic spikes, you can absorb toxic spikes, but psych poison as like a, uh, as a defensive type is okay, but as an attacking type, it just does nothing for you. So I'd like to see those three get some kind of boost. So maybe adding light type in would give them an opportunity to do that. Like maybe poison <laughs> would be super effective against light. Yeah. So then, um, you'd start to see some more of that emerge, but they don't really need to, so the fanboy in me is hoping, hoping, hoping we see either a light or a star type pop up, especially light, because, like, for me, always, any, like, kind of RPG-style game I play, I always play water, ice, or light-slash-holy-type characters, Mm -hmm. so always like a paladin or something like that, I always use a water starter, so... Um, I would love to see that. I would definitely do like a light-themed team if they introduce that, but um, I, I don't think that it's necessary, so we may or may not see it.
0: Interesting. Yeah, for the people who are in the, the chat, for however many there are, Jason's uh, checking it out. So if you have any Pokemon questions like these, uh, feel free to try to post them, and we'll try to get them answered. Well, um, another question that I had, do you think they will have uh, new EV evolutions in this generation?
2: Yes. Yes, I do.
1: I think we'll probably. Really? See, I think we'll probably see two more or three more Evie, evolutions real fast. I have to comment on the, uh, the the chat here. People are saying that my assessment of bug sucking says that Skizor and Heracross disagree with me. Um, Skizor is good because he's got the dual steel type, not because he's bug, and because he got Bullet Punch. Skizor was nothing. Until Platinum came along and gave him Bullet Punch, he was a UU or a BL Pokemon or something like that, and uh, plus
0: got Technician too.
1: Yeah, and so when Bullet Punch showed up, that was what p- pushed Gisgore up into into OU and uh, to the top of OU. But before that, p- and Heracross is good, but not not the best. So, um, you know people can cry about my assessment of bug all they want but Schizor is good because it's got steel typing not and because of it's move pool not necessarily because it's bug
0: anyway the ev Eevee evolutions
1: evolutions okay so what i want to see is i would like to see they've already done evolutions based on um, time of day based okay. on stones like items and based on locations where you evolve them so, you know, you've got those three. I would like to see kind of a fourth um, method of evolving since they're introducing some new ones. And I was thinking based on fainting and reviving. So they could no. do a flying type one that would be like the angel version. So maybe if Eevee got knocked out during the daytime then and it was holding a certain item or whatever, then you would get an angel. And if it was knocked out during the nighttime, maybe if it was holding a certain item... Then it would get, it kind of doing like the, um, like how you get the difference between, uh, what's the, the little bug that's only got one HP? Ah, uh, Shedinja. Shedinja, right. So kind of based on knocking out. So you could, if it got knocked out at nighttime, you could get a ghost type.
2: Hmm. So
1: maybe you'd have like Angelion for the angel one, which would be a flying type guy and uh Spectrion for the ghost type one so that's that's my idea for uh for new uh evolutions
2: um
0: That would even work if you had the uh the light type added to have angelion whatever would be it's the, true. the type. See I I'm, I'm gonna say that I don't think uh there'll be new uh evolutions and like more just a, a re- uh for a pattern's sake Mhm you had you know generation 1 and then Generation 2 had Espeon and Umbreon. Generation 3 didn't have any, and then you have 4. So I'm not sure that they'll go back-to-back with Generations. And plus, 7 is already a lot. But maybe it's just going to be like a running joke, sort of, for the developers to just keep adding more and more?
1: Wait, a running joke to add what?
0: Just to add, you know, more and more different kinds of EV evolutions. Well, I don't think it's a running
1: joke. I think it's something that it's kind of like fan service.
0: Hmm. I don't know. I, I see it as being kind of ridiculous, even though I do I do love the EV Eeve, uh, evolutions myself, so I guess I shouldn't be really complaining too much.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's a running joke. I think it's, hey, we th- the fans want this, and this gives us... I mean, how long has Pokemon been out now? When did the first one come out? 95? Eight,
0: eight. Oh, eight in oh, America. 20. 96, I think.
1: Okay, so, I mean, they're going on 15 years now of games, and they still haven't worked their way through all of the types, so um, there's still plenty of types for them to tap and probably two or three more generations before they get all of them.
0: Interesting. Do you have any uh, questions in the chat that you've seen?
1: No, they were just um, posting a a quick drawing of a Lucario playing with a GameCube controller for me, which is pretty awesome. (laughs) Not not quite the level of quality that you and Samurai Panda's little... um, avatars are but still pretty awesome. Nice. So, thanks.
0: <laughs> um, let's see. A possible another question is, you know, we've had, you know, the different kinds of uh, gyms that have, you know, had types represented or even elite four. Mhm. Um, what kind of uh, you know, types do you think might be represented? Who knows.
1: Oh, uh, in the gyms? Uh that that's I think that's a crapshoot. I mean, we, I think we've seen I don't I don't know for sure, but I think we've seen every type in a gym so far. Hmm. it's not a gym in either a gym or an E four member,
2: but I think right, they've right. hit all
0: of them. So I say I'm not sure. There's been a ground gym, but there's definitely been a ground elite four. Yeah, hmm. it's tricky. I mean, I'd kind of like to see Dragon come back. As a uh, as a gym, because you know heart gold soul silver proved that you know Claire was significantly tougher than you know all the other gym leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, well, she
2: had she had a uh, guard
1: uh,
0: yeah. yeah.
2: will wreck you.
0: <laughs> and even like the first time around, Kingdra is a, a nasty combo because like for ice, you've got the water to counteract it. For you know if you try to shock it you got Dragon that, you know, is iffy against it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I would agree with you. that It is kind of a crapshoot. Um, but yeah, definitely to, to see a new Elite Four, because, you know, sometimes they like to try to bring back, you know, members like Bruno, or have Koga come back. I mean, at the same time, though, like, how it's... I guess, it, you know, people get paid to come up with new characters, but To add, like, you know, all these characters with each generation is a daunting task, and it doesn't matter because we're going to be remembering them anyway.
1: Yeah, you know, I think um, you want a certain amount of fan service in your games, but in, in the end, you want something original each time. So, I mean, a lot of people are saying they'd like a different, more robust or interesting story from black and white, since it's, you know, a new generation and whatever else, that it's not just, okay, here's an evil team trying to take over the world, plus gym leaders equals success. Mm-hmm. Now, Nintendo, like I've been saying, doesn't need to mess with that um, <clears throat> that formula, but it'd be nice to see something a little bit different, and kind of in the same way, like, you don't just want to fight the same people with the same Pokemon over and over again, you want to see a new city with a new gym leader, and kind of feel like it's a new challenge, and Maybe something cool that they could do in black and white would be not just to make leaders single type, but make them dual type. Yeah. So I mean, you see, you see some of that in the gyms already, where like you get to the boss, and they, it's like they use water and ice, or they use, um, you know, dragon and water, or so you know, they they use something like that. Um, but uh, if it was like specifically themed that the gyms were all dual type I think that would be really cool because then it wouldn't be you could level up one Pokemon and then kind of rock it and okay. kind of go through that gym with the one Pokemon like I mean if you go into Lieutenant Surge's gym it's like you can earthquake 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 and the game's over
2: mm-hmm.
0: very very true Um. Oh, I was going to have another oh yeah so the big thing for Black and White is the three-dimensional mm-hmm. addition to the game. How much do you think that'll change things? What I mean, we've seen like a couple screenshots already, but how much would you want to see that implemented?
1: Um, you know, I think that it's it's something that fans are probably looking forward to seeing. And when we finally see a DS successor, I think it's going to go even further than this. So I'm glad they're doing it. Mm-hmm. From what I from what I've seen so far, it looks like they're you know they're they're kind of building off what they've been doing you know a step here and a step there. If you look at the last couple of games that have come out, they've been progressively adding more and more three D elements. And even in Heart Gold and Soul Silver, there are a couple of screens like if you're in the Lighthouse, where it is in kind of this like three D mode. Um, and so they've been doing that for a while now working towards it and so I hope that we see it all the way through the game and that it gives us something new and exciting to look at I mean the new cities, wow it's totally, you know, ten times or a hundred times better than the old cities I mean the old cities didn't look like cities they just kind of looked like they threw some buildings up these look like real cities that you're running through so it's definitely going to kind of add to that um, that spirit of the game and the, the environment and kind of that feeling of immersion while you're playing like you're in a real world
0: I agree. I totally agree. I mean, I also remember seeing uh, during. I think it was a YouTube video of someone playing Heart Gold Soul Silver. Mm-hmm. And they had kind of tapped into, um, you know, kind of like the 3D sort of effects mm-hmm. that were started for Heart Gold Soul Silver, but they didn't fully implement it. Like mm-hmm. you said, they implemented it in some sections, but not like on the roots and all that. Mm-hmm. And it, it looks like definitely more of a, a sense of immersion there. I'm also more interested in how the battles are going to work. I think once, like, a full-fledged Pokemon game, and we're not going to count Colosseum and XD Gale of Darkness here, but when you have, like, a stadium, Pokemon Stadium kind of set up for the battles, like, that'll also really help with that kind of immersion. And uh, the one screenshot didn't really help all that much with it. I mean, you had some, you had, like, a cityscape in the background, and Zoroa and Zoroark are going at it and, and the same kind of style as, you know, the other generations. But I'd I'd really like to see the Pokemon Stadium kind of you know, graphics and you know, camera movements and attack. Sort of, I'd like to see that kind of style. You know, finally, uh, you know, become present in the game. My
1: problem with that is how long it takes to get through all of that, because <laughs> you've got to con- you've got to change the angles and you've got to redraw things and you see the animation from one side and then you see the animation from the other side. And so, um, what you end up with is like. Uh, You know, it takes three times as long, and Pokemon battles are already long enough. I mean, playing on shoddy battle, it can take you, against a stall team, like 15 minutes to play, right? And then if you add in all the animations that you see in a normal game, you can double that. So that's why a lot of people don't like, um, you know, singles for Wi-Fi play, because it takes a long time. And that's why Nintendo runs double battles 4v4 for their tournaments, because it takes so long. So, you know, if you add in all that other, all the cinematics and all the redrawing the game has to do and whatnot, plus, oh lord, I'll be okay with them doing this, like the Coliseum style stuff, as long as they don't bring that annoying announcer's voice back in. Yeah. hearing him say the same broken phrases over and over again drives, drove me nuts.
0: Oh, he's down for the count.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Mm -hmm. So... So do you want to get into some mailtime questions, or do you have any other sort of Gen, Gen 5 speculation that you want to get into?
1: No, I think I'm good. I think um, we'll probably have plenty to talk about in future podcasts as they reveal things and whatnot. So, Absolutely. Um, We're
0: definitely in the beginning stages, so the more information that comes out, the more we'll definitely have to talk about.
1: And I did see, actually I did see in the chat that so people were asking, what about random Wi-Fi battles? Yes, of course I want random Wi-Fi battles. Yes, oh, please. Yeah. That'd be awesome. That I, I would probably play my DS twice as much if I had that. I would actually make competitive teams on my um, cartridge rather than just playing on Shoddy and playing the RPG on my cart.
0: That would so, be amazing.
1: I think everybody in the world except for Nintendo wants that to happen. So, maybe if we can convince Nintendo not to be scared of the internet
0: We'll be good to go. Maybe they'll just, like, mute voice chat so you don't actually have to, like, communicate with the person. Probably so. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into the mail time questions.
2: We just got a
0: letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. Wonder who it's from. The first question comes from the Dubaga. It's a Pokemon-themed question to go along with the theme. If you were a gym leader, what type would you use? What town would you be in? And off the top of your head, what would your ideal team be? Wow.
1: Off the top of my head, what would my ideal team be? All right. I'm going to let you go first, Peter. Put you on the spot. Oh.
0: Oh. Wow. Okay. Um, if what type would I use? Um, I think I'd primarily be an electric type.
2: Okay. But I can at see the same time, you.
0: I mean, I'd like to, to kind of mix it up and not be solely... Uh, electric. Um, what town would I be in? I've always, I'm always like Goldenrod City. I don't know why. It's you know just the the big sort of metropolis, and it's it's a weird thing for a gym leader to say, but the music, you can't beat it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Now it's it's tough for the question because like primarily are we if I pick electric are we saying like only you can only pick electric types? Because that's it's pretty tough to do in. Well,
2: the...
1: I think that depends on how you want to interpret being a gym leader. Because some of the gym leaders do use different, uh, do use different types.
0: Hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I definitely have Raichu. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably have an Electivire. Mm-hmm. Um. Say uh, a a Dusk Noir. Mm-hmm. A Jolteon. Um this is the tough part off the top of the head. Um let's see. A do, do, do. Oh, I just had it in my mind and I lost it. I'm at four a Luxray and another one that's not an electric. Uh an Altaria. Okay. I know it's kind of like a couple out of the mix, but, like, there's only so many decent electric... Like, I'm not going to have a, a main electric Mm-hmm. Because it's... Although they're annoying to face in the actual game, like, they're not really gym leader-worthy. Right. Now, I, I know what type you'd be, but, you know, let's, let's, let's get it out there. What would you be?
1: Um, I, I would probably lean towards an ice type with mm-hmm. a water secondary. That w- that would probably be my my gym. I actually, if you look at, at M3D's profile on uh, Smashboards right now, I've got Price as my avatar, and my custom title says "The Teacher of Winter's Heart." Heart- Teacher of Winter's Harshness. Nice. So that's that's probably right up my alley. So if I were going to be an ice type gym leader, um, I would probably be in Mahogany Town or Blackthorn city if i'm thinking like i'm thinking kind of right right now um about johto since i've been playing hard gold and soul silver right, right. so you know mahogany town i think that's right is mahogany town is the one where price is right now that's right? Prices, yeah yeah so that's just south of the lake of rage so i can go up and get some water types but i've already got my little cave there the ice path so i can pick up some uh some ice type Pokemon, and then you know, or strategically, yeah, and then you know, you've got Blackthorn City right there, so you could pick up a dragon type or something like that. So, those two kind of sound appealing to me. Um, geez, I, the thing is, is that my my favorite Pokemon overall is Sucario, probably just because of the theme and. Um, the style of him and whatnot But he doesn't fit any of that theme So if I'm allowed to have a wild card Lucario is going to be my wild card um, Otherwise I would have a uh, I would have a, a bomb of Snow, So I can make it hail I'd mm. have a Mamoswine Definitely Mammoth Swine is super awesome And I was using yeah. I, I gotta put this out there I was using Mamoswine competitively like on my, my hail teams before he was like, considered good. So I recognize the potential out there. All right, that's um, a Obama Snow, Mamoswine, that's two. <laughs> um, I like Frostlass as a ghost, another Gen 4 Pokemon. So that's three Gen 4 Pokemon. Really, they've done a lot for Ice in, in Generation 4, so I'm, I'm pretty pleased right. with that. Um, Frostlass is pretty cool. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Reg Ice. Walrein is good competitively, but as a gym leader, I don't think I'd have a big fat like, lump of ice hanging out there. So,
0: what about Glaceon?
1: Um, Glaceon's pretty cool. Glaceon maybe goes on my maybe list. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm allowed, I would take Articuno, but I don't think gym leaders <laughs> are allowed to have legendaries. So we'll see about that.
0: Unless you were graduated to like an Elite Four or something yeah, like that.
1: Yeah, okay, so... Articuno would be like my flying type backup guy, um, but if if I couldn't have Articuno, I'd take Delibird. Cause Ooh, Delibird. Delibird! is so awful, but it's so cute and it's an ice type. And uh, I actually, I'm I'm carrying one on my team in uh in in Heart Gold, and I'm probably the only person, like probably the one of the only people in the world that's ever gotten a Delibird up over level fifty. So, uh, but Delibird's like a core member of my team. He flies me from place to place and whatnot, so... Delibird would probably have to be on the team. I don't like Jinx. Not a big fan of Cloyster. Um, so what's that? Like four Pokemon right there? Maybe maybe five if I count Lucario, and then I'd have to pick a Water-type to go on the team. Which is a tough call, because I like a lot of Water-types. They're, you know, they're up there. I might have an Empoleon or I, I. I actually, with the starters, I usually like the second evolution better than the first or the third. So maybe a Prinplup. A Prinplup would go on my team, maybe, or um, Swampert, or War Turtle's my favorite of the original starters. So you know, kind of take your pick from that mix right there. Those are a bunch of my my favorites from the ice and water type. Hmm. Very, so,
0: very interesting.
1: Very random answer to that question. I don't think I answered it properly, but, you know, we're the hosts, they're the question askers, so I can answer it how I want.
0: Right. I mean, I wish I could do, like, an, an EV, evolution team, but, like, that's not, like, picking a type and all that. I'm actually trying to make uh, an Eevee, you know, evolution team in uh, my that's soul fun. soul.
1: That's, that's pretty awesome. So what are you going to do about flying places, though?
0: I'm just gonna box
1: like a flyer anytime you need somebody. Yeah, because that means if you get like stranded out someplace and you're low on health or whatever, you know, you do one of those treks through a freaking cave. Or, well, I guess with a cave you can use a escape rope. But
0: I was thinking cool. more for like a competitive team though. So, oh, okay. Even though it wouldn't do that well, it'd just be kind of cool to have. Gotcha. Yeah.
2: Definitely.
0: Next question from Psycho Wing X Nine: If you could apply the Super Smash Brothers cast. To one other genre, what would it be?
1: Um, I think the obvious answer here is some type of action RPG. Mm
0: -hmm. Kind
1: of like in the vein of Kingdom Hearts, where you could go from Nintendo World to Nintendo World and collect things and solve puzzles and beat up enemies. And so, in one level you could be shooting Metroids, in another level you could be stomping Goombas, in a third one you could be sword fighting with Ganon.
0: That would make the most sense. I'm gonna go out on a limb here, and I don't know why this just like came to me, but we're gonna say a sports game. And do you ever play Mario Strikers Charge?
2: I did. I loved that game.
0: It's such a good game, and I think it'd be interesting to try to, you know, get some of the uh, the less known characters from all the different franchises in as like some of the support characters. You'd have all of them as the different captains. You have the different theme stages. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it'd, it'd be a different take on it, but. I really miss playing uh, Mario Strikers Charged, and I gotta dig that out sometime. So, but, uh, would
1: Samus yeah. make a really good goalie with her grappling beam?
0: There you go. You got it. Got it all planned and all that. Um, but yeah, I think some sort of sports game would be an interesting. Uh, That's a pretty cool idea. Diversion path to take.
1: Maybe the Mushroom Kingdom needs its own sports game, like uh, like Quidditch. There you go. Like a like a Mushroom Kingdom. Quidditch, like, some magical game that they play in Mushroom Kingdom that we don't know here, but hopefully it makes more sense than Quidditch, because Quidditch makes no freaking sense.
0: Hopefully it involves having the Toads be the ball, because, I don't know, I'd, I'd find that. <laughs> I
2: don't
0: know, we've had the idea on the podcast before for, or I think Gimpy Fish had the idea for a, a Mario RTS game, where you'd have, like, uh, you have what, the Koopas, and... Toads and different kinds of uh races like that. Alright. It'd be it has potential.
1: Yeah, it has potential. I
2: don't
0: think uh, Nintendo
1: would do it right, sadly.
0: Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. But if you look
1: at I mean their attempt at um their attempt at an RTS is the Battalion Wars games for the Wii. Oh yeah. Uh Battalion Wars two was it was alright, but it, it wasn't great. And, uh, yeah, especially with the, um, the multiplayer was just not, just wasn't there. I tried playing the multiplayer stuff online, and that was back during the days when we were, you know, testing some things out for the old Wi-Fi Wars website where we were doing versus oh, mode stuff, yeah. it just, it didn't, didn't blow me away, so, I, I, I think it would be cool to see, but, um, I just don't know that Nintendo would do it right, so.
0: Speaking of Wi Fi Wars, I still have that video somewhere that we had recorded for. I think, was it a podcast? Uh, like the Warriors, or whatever? Yeah,
2: we were doing a Warriors podcast. Yeah,
0: and it was me, you, and Scab, and we did Brawl Wi Fi matches. So I still have that video That's somewhere. Nice. And I came across that, and it's like, ah ha, ha good times. Uh, really Let's see. The last question comes from Tony TH uh, Super Mario Galaxy 2 release date is upon us. It's May 23rd. It's coming up pretty quickly. And uh, Nintendo has assured us the game is going to have an orchestrated soundtrack. Galaxy's first soundtrack was very much critically acclaimed, and uh, big name titles seem to be having orchestras in them more and more lately. I'm personally a fan of music with live people playing real instruments. Do you think the use of an orchestra should be an almost mandatory step for games moving forward to the future, finding that they have the budget and it fits the style of the game, of course? I think that as you know someone that you know enjoys music as well, I would like to see it as well, but there are a lot of games that it wouldn't fit the style. I think what works so well with Mario Galaxy is that it was such an epic title. you're going out in space and you're trying like new things with the the planetary physics and it has that grand sense of scale that the orchestra would work perfectly, especially when you're talking about a lot of tunes that you know some people already know and it would work well with remixing and all that um I think. That's one of the biggest disappointments we had on Show Me Your News with the game was with uh, Super Smash Bros Brawl was that the soundtrack wasn't orchestrated instead of, you know, different remixes and even some originals of the classic songs. I think that's a game that it would have worked really well. But some games just like if, a lot of games wouldn't, you know, fit the style. So, assuming those limitations, I would like to say that yes, you know, a lot of games should go for like, the real, you know, kind of music, and not just something that's churned out of a a MIDI engine or something like that.
2: Yeah,
1: I think that the qualifying statement at the end here, like, barring that they have the budget and if it's the style of the game, um, it kind of answers the question for you. Like, if the style of the game says that orchestrated is best suited for it, and you've got the budget to do it, then yes, I think you should do it. Because if it is the best suited thing to do it, then yes, you should do it. Um so uh, i I don't think that it's necessary to make a good game, but I think it's part of the total package and you know w- people wanted to get into this discussion recently about our games art is video you know our, our video games art, and I think that orchestrated music is one of those things you can tap in there and you can point to and say, "Hey look, we've got all this beautiful music. Uh, maybe video games aren't just art, maybe they're a compilation of art, and so this is one of those things that makes it awesome, but at the same time, you look at a game like Mega Man where they build the music in MIDI and some of the most memorable music of the last like 30 years if you're a video game fan was MIDI music so true. if you do it right you do it right I think the most important thing is quality not necessarily the uh, the method
0: that's a very very good point um, I think that's really all the mail times we have do we have anything in the chat that people want us to touch on?
2: All right,
1: chat, Here's your chance. You give us some <laughs> questions.
0: Now, nah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, to uh, the ninth, and it's also uh, Mother's Day. You're gonna be, you know, spending that with, with your wife.
1: Yes, I've got. It's our first uh, first Mother's Day that my wife is a mother. Our baby was born last August. She's mm-hmm. nine months old this weekend, so wow. it's gonna be exciting. Um, and
0: then about a month from now, you're going to have your first Father's Day.
1: I know that's pretty exciting too. Hopefully, I get some 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 kind of cool present from my my daughter. <laughs> and we'll see uh, if a ten-year-old can go can go sh- or a ten-month-old can go shopping for Daddy. But we'll see. Okay,
0: you so she might have a, have a little help there.
1: So the chat is asking what our favorite evolutions are.
0: My my favorite is is Flareon. Flareon. Flareon's pretty awesome.
1: Um. Mine, you know, it's a tough call between Vaporeon and Glaceon, but uh, I'm gonna have to go with Vaporeon because Vaporeon's more useful.
0: I agree. Yeah, I mean, I have a, a Vaporeon in, like my current competitive team right now because yeah, Vaporeon is more useful. But I don't Plus know. It's Got
2: like the fins and the little crown-looking thing, and
0: was, yeah, it's
1: kind of cool. Glaceon looks really feminine to me. I think that's my biggest thing. Like, I, I, not that I'm like. Sexist or anything, but I identify better with male characters, obviously, than female characters. And Glaceon just always seems very, very feminine to me, with kind of like the the spiky, pointy things on it. So
0: I agree with that.
1: Maybe that's maybe that's where it is.
0: Mm. So Victoria's... I used to I used to draw a little Pokemon comic as a kid, and along with Raichu, Flareon was one of those that was in my starting party. There.
1: Oh, I see. So did you beat Giovanni?
0: Didn't get that far.
2: Mm.
0: Oh, well, oh. I also had, like, a, a golem, and... Oh, gosh, it's been so long that I can't even remember. Mm. Mm.
1: Yeah, okay, so someone in the chat called me sexist, and I should point out that my... Uh, the, the Riolu slash Lucario that I picked, that's my starter in, in Heart Gold. that's a female. In fact, half of my team is female. So, forget you guys in the chat
0: well if you're if you're breeding most of your team's probably going to be female <laughs> unless you no wait, no, never mind I take that back
1: well it depends there's a there's like a hatch rate for males and females for each right species, right so
0: yeah I, I was thinking more for like the passing down the nature and mm-hmm. all that uh it it's late, and we had so many technical difficulties, so it's. It's even a wonder that, you know, we're mentally functioning. We can get this out to you. So thank you so much, Jason, M3D, for uh, for being on the show again. No problem. We'll have to get you on once you get more Pokemon information because you seem to be a go-to guy in that subject. I know a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, if people want to like, reach you on Twitter or something like that, where would they want to reach yes, you? Yes, you
1: can check me out at JasonThinks. It's just one word, no spaces, dashes, dots. JasonThinks, because I think about a lot of things, and then I put them up on, on Twitter. So if you follow me on Twitter, you're going to get some gaming news. Um, you're going to get me commenting on uh, libertarian philosophy. Um, you might catch a uh, post here or there about uh, beer because um, nice. I do some home brewing of beer and do some beer reviews and stuff, and I'm a big proponent for supporting local industry and that sort of stuff. So you're gonna you're gonna get kind of a good mix of things that I'm interested in, but you will get some gaming news and some game gaming comments.
0: So excellent. So at
1: Jason, thanks if you want to follow me on Twitter.
0: And I think with that, I am Yoko, and this is where you say your name.
1: Oh, and I'm Jason.
0: aka
2: m3d thanks for listening
0: (laughs) thanks yeah thank you and we are out Back is broken. Mr. goes a little berserk. And there's probably some talk about Pokemon.